I know that some of you grew up in an era and in a time in which the ultimate negative consequences of sin, uh, the ultimate negative consequence of not choosing Jesus was emphasized repeatedly. I've heard from my parents, particularly my dad, about the home in which he grew up in, in which following Jesus was an experience of fear that his brothers, he had one brother in particular that had extreme nightmares over what would happen when Jesus came, that, that, that my dad himself uh, would worry about what if his name came up in the judgment and he had misspoken that day or if he had had a wandering thought that day. And, and so his experience was this experience of fear. Maybe it's from hearing those stories from previous generations, which is why so many in my generation and myself, uh, we sometimes swing very far the other way. And we hesitate and maybe even at times fail to warn the world of the true consequences of sin. I know many of us would rather talk about something else, but, but, but when we preach through the Bible, when we preach through the, the totality of the Bible, at some point we must be confronted. We must be confronted with the eternal consequence of lostness in this world, that there is this unavoidable lostness that some will face if they don't choose Jesus. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 23. And beginning in verse 39 or 29, Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse 29, we're finishing our sermon series on the woes. This is the last of that sermon series. The Bible says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. This is a, a slight reference to Jesus's own sacrifice on the cross. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and sages and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berkiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I tell you, all this will come on this generation. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus' heart begins to cry. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house has left you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There are only two options for every person that walks this earth, and Jesus gives us a picture of those two options. Either eternal lostness, either eternal lostness, what we believe the Bible is referring to when it speaks of hell, 
not an internal burning or an internal torture, but, but an internal death, an internal separation from God and his love. Or the other choice is allowing God to gather us in to his family and into his love and his embrace. And whether we are gathered or lost eternally, whether we are gathered or lost eternally hinges on an unknown choice. Now, that unknown choice is not, is not the unknown choice of what God has chosen. The Bible is very, very clear about what God has chosen. God has chosen all of us to be saved. God has chosen all of us to experience the abundance of his love and his joy and his grace and, and, and to experience hope in a hopeless world, to experience peace in a, in a, in a, in a, in a world of, of torment, to experience love in an unloving world. This is the choice God has already made in his heart for us. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter one, verses three through five, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us, you and me and all the world. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined or he chose us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his promise and pleasure and goodwill. This is what God has chosen for you. John chapter three and verse 16 says that for God so loved the world that, that whoever believes in him, he chose that whoever will just choose him, he's already chosen that they will have eternal life. God has chosen. God's open to choosing, open to each one of us accepting him and coming into his family. And God's, the choice that God made is so strong. His, his love for you is so strong and his desire to save you and, and to, to, to have you gathered into his family, to gather under his wings is so strong that the Bible actually tells us that, that he tarries, the old King James word. He, he delays his return because he wants to gather more and more of us. Second Peter chapter three, nine, which says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, the Bible tells us that he is choosing. He is choosing to be patient with you, with me, not wanting any of us to perish, but for all of us to choose, to come to repentance, to choose him. God chooses you, but there are still two options to be gathered into the love and protection of Jesus or to be eternally lost and destroyed. That's not based on God's choice. That's based on our choice. And Jesus shows us in this text the ramifications of these two decisions. Jesus said there in, in the passage that we read, I long to gather you in, but then he says this, but you were not willing. We were not willing. Jesus is always willing to gather us in. Jesus is always pursuing us. But Jesus says, but you were not willing. What led to this unwillingness? What led to, to this unwillingness of this group that he is speaking to? Well, everything that we've been studying for the last four, few weeks. But in summary, I would say this. What led to their unwillingness was they chose their own ways to be saved, to save themselves, to save others over God's. They chose their own ways for the way they were going to direct and lead their lives rather than 
choosing gods. What would ultimately lead to our unwillingness is to be gathered into God's love is for us to choose our own ways, to choose our own gospel, to choose our own truths, to choose our own works, to try to feel good enough to be saved by God. How do we fall into this woe? The woe today that we read about illustrates to us how we can fall into the same demise as the Pharisees that Jesus is speaking to over 2,000 years ago. Jesus starts off by saying, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites, you build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves for the righteous. And you say, you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part in killing or shedding the blood of the prophets. How many of us kind of say similar things about our own history? We look back on history and we say, you know, if I had lived in the time of, of Martin Luther King, I would have marched with Martin Luther King or I would have, I would have stood up and spoken against uh, segregation. We say, if I had lived in the days of World War II, I would have spoken up when they gathered up the Japanese in our own country and interned them in, in imprisoned camps, internment camps. If I had lived in the days of slavery, surely I would never have owned slaves. It's always easy for us to look back on history and say, I would not have done any of those things. With the Bible, I think sometimes Satan inclines our hearts to read some of these stories and think to ourselves, how could those people, with all this evidence of God and with all this, this understanding of who God is, how could those people just ignore God like that? How could Israel keep running to idols and, and other things to, to, to give them hope and to give them peace rather than turning to God? How can they, how can they keep ignoring God's appeal on their lives? Jesus indicates that Israel did all these things, he tells us right here, because they ignored the messengers that God had sent to them. He says, from Abel to Zechariah, they ignored and even killed the messengers that were sent to them. This wording by Jesus in verse 35 is, is very symbolic. The story of Cain killing Abel is a course in the book of Genesis. And, and God is saying, Abel was the messenger of the Lord and, and, and he had a message even through the way he lived for Abel, but Abel would not hear it and he killed his brother. And then the story of Zechariah is a story from the book, Second Chronicles. And reading in the commentaries, and, and uh, R.T. France said this, the cum cumulative effect of the rejection and murder of all God's spokesmen is graphically traced from Abel to Zechariah, who were the, which were the first and the last martyrs of the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament canon, Second Chronicles was the last book of the Hebrew canon, or I should say of the Hebrew canon. In the Hebrew canon, Genesis was the first book and Second Chronicles was the last book. And so Abel's was the first murder and Zechariah's was the last murder of a martyr. And, and what Jesus is saying, all through this history, I keep sending you messengers, I keep sending you messengers, and you continue to ignore them. But the Pharisees are saying, if we lived in those days or if we had those type of messengers, we would not have ignored them. But, but Jesus says to them, what I'm looking at 
is that I see a group of people who the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. One verse prior in, in, in verse 34 of chapter 23, Jesus says there, this, therefore I am sending you prophets and sages and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. Here's what I love about that text right there. Jesus is just telling them, look, you continue to ignore the messages. You continue to ignore the messengers. You're living just like the people that you say you would never live like. And guess what Jesus says? And I'm going to just keep pursuing you. I'm going to continue to send you messengers. I'm going to continue to try to gather you. And that is the grace and the love that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. He knows how our natural hearts are. He knows that most of us will ignore his appeals. And yet he continues to send messengers to us because he desperately longs for each one of us to be a part of his family, to be a part of his family. They said, you know what? We would listen to the messengers. And Jesus said, you know what? I think the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. And you all, many of us, are in the same danger because we look back over the biblical history and we say, I would never, or I would not, but, but maybe the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, even in our day. How many of us are in danger of rejecting the messengers of our days and the messengers of our days are still being sent. And I'm not here talking, by the way, I'm not here talking about me or the preachers because what I've discovered is that most people most people come to understand or to, to have a, a, a connection to Jesus through someone else, some relationship in their life. I'm not saying that you're rejecting me. I'm talking about the, the, the messengers in your own family that have been sent to you to try to say, hey, you might want to watch this or you're not walking in the way of God. And, and we reject those. The messengers that come through the circumstances of life, the circumstances of what's going on in our world right now. And we ignore those things and we say, I don't think that means anything. That's just something else. And we ignore those messengers, the messengers that come through, through our, through our kids, through others. I was thinking just this last Sabbath, I baptized here in second service. And some of you were here. I baptized a lady by the name of Aisha and Aisha was raised in an Indian village, a small Indian village as a Muslim and, and had no belief in Jesus as, as a savior. And yet some close to 20 years ago, she started working for Adventist Healthcare. And as she observed these people, she began to see things and say, who is this Jesus? And then a new group of leadership came in and she began to see a culture change. She thought there's something interesting about this person, Jesus. And she began to study. She saw God was sending her messengers and she was receiving those messages. And then she shared it with her husband, Jeremy, who, as I said last week, when I was baptizing him, Jeremy, when I asked him, what were you raised? What was your faith background? And he said, we went to church on Christmas. So I was just raised. I didn't have any background at all, but, but here God through, through his wife, he shared with her or she shared with him what she was learning about this man, Jesus, and about the truths of scripture. And, and he received those. The messengers are not necessarily the pastors, but, but how many of us are ignoring the messengers that God's sending into our lives all the time? I think of my friend, Lauren. What if she had ignored the messengers in her life? Uh, a few years ago, I baptized Lauren here at this church. 
And some of you were surprised actually that I was baptizing Lauren and that she became a member of this church because you assumed that she already was a member because you always saw her here at church. But to tell you the truth, you didn't actually see her in this room most of the time. You saw her in the hallway because she brought her kids to church so that they could go to Sabbath school because her husband was an Adventist. But, but Lauren was raised a Jew who did not believe in Jesus. But her kids, through the mentoring of the Spencerville Academy and through the mentoring here at Spencerville Church, came to believe in Jesus. And through their dad, the, the, uh, the ministry of their dad, they came to believe in Jesus and they got baptized. And you know what they became in their own homes? They became messengers for Jesus because they told their mom, mom, we don't want you to be lost. We want you to be in heaven with us. And the Bible tells us that there's no other name under heaven by which any man is saved other than the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us that, that, that all those who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. And this, this mother who was raised to not believe in Jesus began to have her heart softened by those messengers. But what if she had ignored those messengers? She reached out to my wife and she said, can we start talking about this? And they started talking. And now Lauren helps to lead a connect group. And this year, Lauren is working at Spencerville Academy as a believer and a lover of Jesus Christ because of these messengers that came into their lives. But how many of us are not hearing from those messengers? Maybe God's saying something through our kids. Maybe God's saying something through our spouse. And God is just saying, I'm sending you all these messengers because I want you to be gathered into my family. I love you so much. I just want you. I'm being patient. I'm not wanting anyone to perish, but all of you to choose life and choose it eternal. Messengers. Are you ignoring the messengers in your life? Are you ignoring this wonderful book? that teaches us so much, that helps guide us and instruct us? Are you ignoring the convictions of the Holy Spirit? Are you ignoring the circumstances of your life? God is constantly trying to communicate this to you. There are only two choices, me or the world. And he's saying, I've already made the choice. I choose you. And he says to us, won't you choose me back. But many of the Pharisees were saying, we will never be like Israel. And many of us probably say, well, we would never be like that. And yet that is what we are. We know about Jesus. We understand who Jesus is, but we are truly unwilling to be gathered under his wings. How many of us are feeling comfortable but have not truly been gathered into the arms of Jesus where it has transformed our lives. We have not truly accepted in faith all that Jesus has done for us, that he is first and last in everything in our lives, that, 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 that without Jesus, we would be nothing. Many of you know that my son, my oldest son, who's sitting right here on the front row, his name is Dayton. And that's because I named him Dayton because I accepted Jesus Christ in Dayton. And everything good in life is from Jesus. And I never want to forget that. But so many of us have this head knowledge. We come here week in, week out, and we don't know the power and the wonder of what it's like to truly fall in love with Jesus and to choose Jesus. Ellen White says, there are many who believe that Christ is the Savior of the world, that the gospel is true and reveals the plan of salvation, yet they do not possess that saving faith 
They are intellectually convinced of the truth, but, but this is not enough in order to, to, to be justified. The sinner must have the faith that appropriates the merits of Christ to his own soul. What this means is that, that they recognize that they are nothing and that Jesus is everything and his merits are all that matter. We read that the devils believe and tremble, but their belief does not bring them to justification. Neither will the belief of those who give a merely intellectual assent to the truths of the Bible bring them the benefits of salvation. This belief fails of reaching the vital point for the truth does not engage the heart or transform the character. Folks, we need to make sure that, that we have truly allowed Jesus to gather us, not in just our head knowledge, but gather us under his wings and love us as he wants to love us. That is our choice. The message today, when I read this message, it's a reminder that if we don't allow Jesus to gather us in fully, heart, mind, and soul, then we're lost for eternity. And I don't want us to be living in fear of that, but, but I want us to understand that those are the two choices. Jesus and all the love and wonder and blessings of that in this life and in the life hereafter. Or nothing. Lostness. But even in this story, I see this beautiful picture of grace. And I'll tell you why I see this beautiful picture of grace. Because Jesus says, I know you're going to reject, you rejected them. You're, the tree, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree with y'all. But guess what? He says to them, I'm going to keep sending you messengers because I'm going to just keep pursuing you and pursuing you. Jesus even says at one point, he says, carry out your final destruction. In other words, he's talking about them killing him. He says, even after you do that, I'm going to send you. Even after you kill me, I'm going to send you messengers because though you kill me, Jesus says, you can never kill my love for you. And I'm just going to keep pursuing you and gathering you in and seeking to, to gather you, just praying that you'll be willing. And I read this story, and, I, and, and in my imagination, and hopefully it's sanctified imagination, I imagine that some of the Pharisees there that day, after the resurrection, after Jesus went up to heaven, that they began to see what was going on in the world, and they became convicted. The Bible tells us in places like Acts chapter 15 and Acts chapter 5 that, that, that there were Pharisees that became followers of Jesus Christ. And in my imagination, I imagine that some of those Pharisees that became followers of Jesus Christ were there on that day when Jesus shared this message from, from Matthew chapter 23. They were there on that day and they were, they were listening to Jesus' message and they were saying, that's not me. We're not like Israel. We're not ignoring God's call. We're not ignoring God's prophets. We're, we're strong. And then after Jesus died and was raised to life and they began to see the apostles go out and they began to see the apostles persecuted and tortured. I wonder if some of those Pharisees that were there that day, they thought, oh wait, maybe Jesus was talking about me. And their hearts were convicted. In my mind's imagination, I see this. And they were convicted that, wait, that was me. But then they remembered all the other things Jesus said. They began to, to remember that Jesus says, if anyone comes to me, I'll in no wise send them out. They remember, they remember the, the Old Testament scripture that, that the Lord's arm is not too short to save. And they thought, I think this is about Jesus. And they realized that, that, that even they, they who were chastised Pharisees, even they could be saved 
because here's our savior who's just constantly trying to gather us under his wings. Brothers and sisters, we sometimes are not confronted with the reality that if we don't truly choose Jesus Christ, then we are choosing an eternity apart from Jesus. And we need to be reminded, we need to be reminded that that choice is not about Jesus's love because he loves you so much. That choice is not about Jesus's patience because he is patient, not willing that any should perish. That, that choice is not about Jesus's belief in you. I love the text in Romans that, that says, and God calls that which was dead as though it were living. When we're dead in our transgression, the Bible says he, he, he died for us. Second Corinthians, that, that choice is always about whether or not we're just going to say, Lord, gather me. I need you. And brothers and sisters, we can be Israel. We can be the Pharisees and we can be Seventh-day Adventists, all people that were raised and guided and instructed in the truth, but that never truly let Jesus grab a hold of our hearts and save us for all eternity. And I want to call on each one of us today as we come to the end of this series. We can look at the Pharisees and say, oh, I'm not like them. But let us be honest and ask the Lord to examine our hearts and show us if the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. And choose Jesus. As someone who has been choosing Jesus since April 26 of 1996, I can tell you it is the greatest decision and choice you will ever make. And I don't want anyone to be lost because they didn't know they didn't have to make a choice. We eventually have to make a choice. So choose Jesus. Lord, I thank you so much for who you are, for what you are and what you've done for us. Lord, I thank you that you continue to pursue us, that we be like the Pharisees and say, well, I would never, but then we do. Though we be like the Israelites and say, well, I'll never worship other things, but we do. There were like so many apostasies throughout history. And we say, I'd never be like that church. That's all about works and saving myself. But, but we are Lord Jesus today in this moment, may each person in this room choose you. And Lord, may they walk out of here with the assurance and the hope and the joy in knowing that life with you is the best choice ever. We thank you, Jesus, for choosing us long before we ever chose you. Work on our hearts. Pursue us till that end. In your name I pray. Amen.